Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast presented by Built Bar. You've heard it from me way too much already. So I'm so happy that today, finally, Brandon Piller is on Team Built Bar. Parleys are still en route, but Pillsy, your package of 16 different types of Built Bar, one of every flavor that Built Bar has to offer, they showed up this morning. What was your initial reaction? Well, first of all, Ross, I love that all of them are completely covered in chocolate. Big chocolate guy over here. So knowing that all of them have some sort of chocolate flavors, great. You got eight chocolate nut flavors and eight chocolate nut free flavors, depending on your preference. So I love Bilt Bar. I mean, the protein bars uh, that you need, flavor you want, the nice, soft, easy chew. What more could you ask for? I heard people are saying it's the candy bar of protein bars, but don't let that get into your head because when you think candy bar, you think sweetness. And there's only three grams of sugar in these built bars. That's incredible. Three grams of net carbs as well. I'm talking about the peanut butter brownie one, though, and I told you I had it on Wednesday. It was fantastic. Low calorie, low sugar, but it's got a ton of what you want, the high protein the high fiber. You're going to turn a guy like Parley into Marco Rossi by the draft. Thick, thick, thick with three C's. You want to get that protein, especially if you just had a nap like I did. Do I sound like I was just sleeping? No, because I had a built bar. Gives you all sorts of energy, and we cannot wait to continue on this episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. Presented, I mentioned by Built Bar. Where do you get them? Well, it's builtbar.com. And what you're going to do is put in the promo code Locked on and get $10 off your first box. That's promo code locked on for $10 off your first purchase. So it's draft ranking season. We're continuing on with picks number 40 through 36. If you have missed the first 10, well, head back. We've got the Monday episode, the Wednesday episode on Wednesday as well. We went over the Sens all time list presented by TSN. So go check those out. But we mentioned today's episode and We're still waiting. When will the draft be announced? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Friday, May 8th. Parley, I'll start with you first as Brandon Piller finishes off his built bar um, why have we not heard about an announcement of when this draft could be? There's so many different things that have to be going into this and so many different varying um, opinions and what works best for their hockey team. You know, these guys, a lot of GMs, you know, they're the type of guys where we talk about how competitive the athletes are. Well, these guys are just as competitive. They've got all the stock in each of these teams. They want the best situation for their team. Not everybody's going to get it. That's got to be the holdup. There's so many different things health risk-wise. Is it going to be televised the way the NFL draft was? What is going to happen? There's so many hoops to jump through, stuff like that. But I'm telling you, I need an answer in the next couple of days. This is killing me. It sounds like June 5th might be out the window just based off of looking at the fact that it's three weeks from today. Or a month from today, rather, if I'm smart enough. Not a math guy. And I don't think any of us are calendar guys at this time uh, during COVID-19. But Pilsy, which team do you think has complained the most is the reason why we haven't had this? And why do you think it's the Montreal Canadiens? 
Well, I mean, the Habs are probably just sour that there's zero chance that they get to pick number one overall. And they're missing out on the opportunity to host the draft, which, I mean, we're Sens fans and we like to give it to Montreal. But, boys, the three of us were stoked to go to Montreal in June for this draft with three first-round draft picks for the Ottawa Senators. That's not not happening anymore. But, man, I still I can't believe Stevie Eiserman is one of the uh, GMs that's strongly against having this draft it blows my mind I think if anything you'd be pushing for it so maybe he's I mean he's a former player so he obviously uh holds a tradition of doing the draft after the cup uh probably pretty uh, strongly so maybe that's the reason but if I'm Steve Eisman or Pierre Dorian I'm staying hush and hoping that they go forward with the proposed plan well if you look at the Habs and the reason why I brought them up they have 11 picks in the first five rounds so they only have the one first rounder three second rounders and so on and so forth and they're terrible at drafting yeah well not only that but you'd think if you have that many picks they also have two seventh rounders as well as their own pick in every draft loading up you would think to try to swindle some draft day moves and maybe have some current players really you know throw a loop into that roster that i mean we can pile on because we're a Sens podcast but if you have Carey Price making $10.5 million in between the pipes, you expect to make the playoffs. And they haven't made the playoffs since Ottawa did in 2017. Can you believe that with the amount that they're putting in being trying to contend? So I could see how Mark Bergevin would have a pretty big problem with that. But also, uh, Ross, you mentioned uh, the compiling draft picks for the Habs to try to get a roster player. Do you think maybe that was part of the Sens plans? Or at least they would hope to have that window open because... I mean, we've said it before, the Sens have a real tough time attracting free agents, and they're going to have to spend some money on some players. Like, all these entry-level deals that they're possibly going to have on their team, they're going to need to get some sort of veteran presence and get to the cap floor. So do you think maybe Dorian had it in the cards to use uh, some of those draft picks to acquire a roster player, or is he just sticking to the plan and drafting and developing, which has been probably one of the best strengths of this franchise? Well, I think it's it's draft and develop. I'm going to let Parley kind of build off of this one. But I, I think it would more be moving picks, like add that third with a second to move up in the second round. I think the Sens would be, be similar to the Habs in that way uh, that would just want to kind of get higher up in the draft. The reason why I said the Habs, I mean, you always want to make a splash when the draft's in your town. So maybe that doesn't hold true anymore uh, being almost inevitable that it'll be a virtual draft. What do you think, Parley? What do you think Pierre Dorian should be attacking this draft with? I think if he was worried about making the cap floor, the J.G. Pajot deal might not have happened. A free agent fan favorite, a guy you could have thrown some money at having a career year like that. But uh, I don't think he's worried about that. I think he got to stick to the plan. And going back again to that J.G. Pajot deal, that kind of was the nail in the coffin of keeping guys like that around. It's all about the future right now. And this is a uh, absolute bounty of draft picks. So if you're going to add, I think you add through the draft. You're going to pick up some guys. That's why I think a guy like Ron Hainsey is going to be back, familiar with the group. Um, you're going to spend some money in different places. It's it's not going to be the most competitive team next year. We know that. So I think you spend money on guys like Ron Hainsey, you know, you're not dishing out cash where that would maybe bite you uh, when these entry-level deals for all these young prospects are coming up. Well, on the back end, you really just have to make a decision on on Hainsey and Mark Borowiecki. Our, our position on Boro has been clear for a while. Those are the two UFAs on the back end going into next season. 
the one uh, a few RFAs. It's funny. Uh, like his uncapped friendly as the season paused, Andreas Englund was up. So he's up there, although I don't think he's a very big priority. And then you look the 13 forwards that were playing with the Sens while the pause happened. Only four of them. Four. Bobby Ryan, Colin White, Artem Anisimov, and Brady Kachuk are signed for next season. So there's a lot of flexibility there. You think, what do you do with a guy like Connor Brown? Do you sign a longer-term contract, up the uh, annual value, knowing that you can pay him next year, and then it'll be one year off the end, you know, that that you're able to spread that money out to maybe one of these younger prospects that's more deserving? Or if the cap ends up inching up, I don't know. But I think Connor Brown is going to be an intriguing contract to watch play out. Same with Chris Tierney, because his numbers are good. I mean, when you watch him skate, maybe you don't think so, but... Uh, Pilsy, I know you've been high on him for a while. What do you think he could command this summer in a contract as an RFA? We should mention. Yeah, I've I've liked what I've seen from Tierney. I mean, he's quietly one of those guys that's really helped this uh, core group of Senators prospects um, give them a little space to grow. I mean, we all know Colin White; his season was uh, pretty disappointing, especially after he signed that big deal. So having Chris Tierney come in and uh, play a really good two-way center uh, game, he's good at dishing the puck. Uh, he's with pretty good on face-offs. I think for Tierney, for his contract, it's going to depend. Does he want to get paid big or try to get some security? I can see him signing a, a three-year deal uh, right around $3, 4000000 million with the Sens because they can spend that money, especially with Pajot gone. I mean, that's pretty much money available there for Tierney because he effectively is your third-line center, uh, depending on if you draft Byfield at number two, which hopefully that does happen. So I'd love to see Tierney come back. And Connor Brown, I would like to lock him up too. That's a guy we saw him play a uh, bottom six role with the Leafs. If he gets passed by some of these prospects eventually through a longer-term deal, that's okay. I think dollars earned is uh, going to be something that's very interesting. Uh, July 1st is definitely an interesting day around Ottawa most years anyways, but I think it can be even more interesting for Senators because uh, you look at a guy like that, like Connor Brown and stuff, you can front-end load a contract at this point in his career, give him a bunch of money for the next two years until these deals of draft players that have already been taken start to end and then, You've got more RFAs, but there is nothing wrong with July 1st. couple of bonuses. I know it's not a card that's usually up Eugene Melnick's sleeve, but this is today's NHL. If he wants to compete and wants the future to be that good, he's got to change his ways. So if his heels are stuck in the dirt, I think the Senators are as well. So I think July 1st needs to be a day where Senators start to take advantage of some salary cap space. Crazy to think that Chris Tierney's already played five full seasons plus another season where he played, had 43 games under his belt. This is a player that's been to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, 435 games, yet he's only 25 years old. So I think the, the ceiling's pretty high. If he got a four-year, $16 million contract, I wouldn't blink at it. I think that that would be yeah. maybe... That's kind of the, the deal we were throwing around for Pajot too, right? And then turns out he got way... More money from uh, Uncle And the sixth year. Yeah, the sixth year, the fifth in in terms of million dollars. But yeah, if you can lock up Tierney, uh, even at an Anisimov level contract, like 4.5, I'd probably do three years at that point. But it's an interesting talking point. At what what level are are you hoping to bring Tierney back? But yeah, the trio of Tierney, Connor Brown, and Anthony Duclair, they're all due for some, some raises and then... 
everyone else you think is replaceable. And I think free agency, you'd be able to get to the, the floor next year. It's the year after once the Anisimov deal uh, expires uh, as well that I think you're probably going to want to uh, have to look to add because... Well, Brady, mean, Brady's entry level will be up though, right? Yeah, Brady's will be done there. And another thing that's going to make it easier to hit the floor next year, Shabbat's going from 86000 to $8 million. <laughs> So you're you're really you're really uh, yeah, doing doing some that's work like there. signing two players almost like yeah money-wise. it's not it's not too shabby to to say the least <laughs> for for him low um, hanging fruit there Ross definitely yeah I just I just took that off the tee box yeah so I, that's fun to actually have a little real hockey talk to start the show back to the projections and we're gonna need some energy for this second half of the segment so it's time to reach for a built bar for me. I'm going to reach for the actual bar, but for you, reach for BuiltBar.com. That's where you can put in the promo code Locked On and get $10 off your first box. Pillsy and I swear by it. Parley will too. I just know that Parley's going to love him. That guy's got a sweet tooth like none other. Just ask him Halloween's his favorite holiday because he gets to get sink his teeth into, let me guess, Parley, I'm going to power rank your favorite Built Bar flavors from what I would expect out of you i think that you're number one i feel like you're a raspberry chocolate guy are you i, I don't i don't shy away from fruit with chocolate for sure i'm a, I'm a chocolate fondue type of guy a little little hot chocolate dip it in there nothing yeah. wrong with it throw some protein in oh my god you know Definitely. how big i well, am the, the, the built bar <laughs> raspberry chocolate cream it's got all you need this one even has more fiber six grams of fiber and as Pilsy mentioned, it's so smooth. It's chewy. It's, it's not going to get stuck in your teeth, though. You don't want that. You want that great Built Bar flavor. So, yeah, head to BuiltBar.com, put in promo code Locked On, and you get $10 off your first box. 16 flavors, one for every palate. Let us know which one you like the most at Send Central. All right, number 40 is a tough sell after doing some reading. Parley's going to be on the, the clock because he put us up to having Antonio Stranges at number 40. The London Knight. Why? Why at 40, Chris Parliament? So this guy is one of the most unique players I've Polarized. ever watched play the game. And I mean unique. You got to go and watch Antonio Stranges skate because... To take this into context a little bit, Sidney Crosby, I think, has changed the game by playing on his inside edges. This kid takes that six more levels because he gains speed while making mohawk cuts. Like, this guy is unbelievable. His skating is is through the roof. His ability to change his edges and change where he's going. Now, I think he has the ability to be a very unique offensive playmaker. Because he'll be able to gain zones and gain a little bit of extra space for himself, which he'll need at 5'10", 168. This kid, his offensive ability is through the roof. Now, I understand if you're not there with me. Because this kid's got a lot to learn away from the puck. And that's pretty big worrisome when you're going into the NHL. This guy can put put points up. He got 40 points. 40 points in 61 games this year. But I'm telling you, you notice him every time he's on the ice. I just don't know if it'll translate. This is the biggest boom or bust player in this draft. 
Part, uh, Pillsy, before you hop in, I just want to say like 40 points doesn't even impress me that much for a guy with the the elite skating, the elite hands that that people are talking about. I mean, why why is he only getting 40 points in 61 games? I'm sure that's not even top three or four on the on the London Knights. I just think like he need he's got to learn so much. I think he leans on the talents that he has too much, and it it's it's incredible to watch him skate. Like I can't really, if you haven't seen him play, you don't really know what I'm talking about. But if you watch his highlight pack, you just want to watch it again because it's something like you've never seen before. So I think he's got the ability to change the game because his unique ability to do things. But unless he starts developing other skills and grows his mind for the game, I don't know if there's much of a future there for him, but I'm telling you this kid is fun to watch play the game of hockey. Yeah, he definitely seems like an offensive kind of player. I mean, most of the knocks that I read on him were towards his defensive side of the game. And when you've got a guy whose his best uh, attributes are skating, speed, offensive skill, that's usually the case. I just, like Ross, I'm not, I'm not impressed with his numbers. And I think he's a fine prospect, but I just think the Sens can go a different way. And personally, uh, we had... Evangelista ranked lower than him, but I would take his teammate Evangelista over uh, over him, really. I think it's interesting when you watch a guy like this because he could turn into the guy that's like, wow, you got him in the third round if he starts to slip. We have him at 40. You never know where guys like this, this is kind of a buffer zone. What team see in these guys, right? Yeah. But I think this is one of those guys that could turn into a wow, he never played in the league, or wow, you got him at 40. Well, just like we're very divided, so are the rankings. Like, Future Considerations and McKean's Hockey both have him as a first-round pick, 25th, 22nd, respectfully. And then uh, Scott Wheeler is down 13 spots in his list, all the way down to 49th, whereas Craig Button didn't even rank him in his top 103. So from 25th, to past 103rd, I mean, I don't think we're going to find a range that big for many of these prospects. No, I agree. And it, he's such an interesting case. Like, it, it depends what you think you want out of him. Do you want him to come into the game and drive the play? I don't think that's going to happen. But if you give him the space and the, the line mates that are going to give him the possibility to pick up the puck in the neutral zone and dance a little bit, who knows what his production level will be? I think it's such a it's such a player that needs a fit, and that's what makes him so unique. I don't think he's a, a guy that can fit into any system in the league. And offhand, I can't even tell you which system he'll fit into, but it's super interesting where this guy will go. And I've been high on him since he was about a 16 years old because of just how unique his abilities are. So uh, he's been one of the prospects that I've been watching for a long time. The real question is whether he's going to be able to bounce out that style so that he's trusted by an NHL coach to play both sides of the puck. I can tell you right now, uh, if Guy Boucher finds his way back to coaching in the NHL, Antonio Strangers will not be on, uh, be on his team. He'd be put in the Mike Hoffman situation, sit down on the fourth line or uh, in and out of the lineup. So um, I, I'd, I'm interested as well. It'll be intriguing. Um, but yeah, I mean... I don't think he did much to help his cause this year. Time will tell for him, as well as our 39th pick, Yaromir Pitlick 
from the Czech Republic, but he's over uh, here in the OHL playing for the Sioux, which means if he's on the board when the Leafs pick, they'll have to take him because Kyle Dubas will only draft players that he has had a connection with in the Sioux. But Brandon Pillar, what can you tell, tell us about Pitlick's game? Well, boys, finally, finally, we're talking about a player with some size. I feel like each pick we've gone through, we've had to been uh, put the asterisks like, oh, he's a little smaller than usual. Is that going to be a problem? Is his size, is his weight going to be a problem? Except for neighbors. Remember- neighbors is our only other guy so far, the the big kid from Air Dry, Alberta. But yeah, definitely some size here on Pitlick. Yeah, and uh, like the reviews and reports on him were just music to my ears. I mean, you're looking at a 200-foot player that can defend well. Um, he's got that size as a centerman, which helps in face-offs, battles in the corners, in front of the net. And I was uh, looking at his uh, some of his highlights, and he does a really good job, what I noticed, of working the puck behind the net in the offensive zone. Like, he's he's really making defenders struggle to decide, is he going to do the wraparound? Is he going to uh, try to tuck it in before he wraps around? Is he going to stall back there and set up a play in front of the net? And that's something I find a lot of players these days don't do enough of, but the Senators could really use a guy like this. Because if you guys remember the Senators' power play, uh, they were having a lot of success with that quick tic-tac-toe play that starts in the corner, it goes to the guy behind the net, and then quickly out front. And then even if that guy has two defenders on him, if he can get the shot released right away, it was pretty effective. They would try it two, three times in the same shift sometimes. So if you get a guy like Pitlick who can uh, help that and really drive a power play from behind the net, Gretzky's office, as it's called, I think he's going to be a great pickup uh, for the Ottawa Senators. The power game is something that you love to see. A guy who, well, we talked about Brady Kachuk driving or making sure anyone who is in the game is in the fight. So you want you want a couple big bodies who can go bang down low. He's a right shot centerman, which is always much needed. Uh, you think about the Sens' depth at center right now. A lot of it is left shot. Colin White excluded. I'm, I'm thinking Norris and Logan Brown uh, in particular down the middle. Chris Tierney as well, another left shot guy. And you lost Pajot, a right shot centerman. So I think it's a part of the organization that could use some, uh, some massaging or some depth uh, is probably a better term for it. And... I think I think he's good. He's the kind of guy you can put in on a PK. You can put him in on the power play. Just your quintessential all-around player. Uh, he'll definitely need a year or two more to develop, but something to keep in mind, he's one of the oldest players in the draft, just a bit, uh, maybe two weeks younger than Lafreniere. So a late September birthday, 2001, whereas we're seeing guys all the way up to late August of 2002 in this draft. So maybe... His ceiling is not as high as some of the other guys, but he's a player who you know what you're going to get just based off of the prototype who he is. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about it and we're building it up five picks at a time here, but you look at number 39, that's that's a guy that if you come in at that pick, you want him bang for your buck. And I think this is the guy that in a couple of years can give you that bang for your buck. You're not really taking chances at 39, you know? You're trying your best to get an NHL player in the future you're thinking middle six or top six. He's got the physical tools right now to play that. Let's see if his skill can catch up. It's nice to see he knows his game. You know, I like Brady Kachuk because he's able to play his game so well and knows his role. So let's just see what this guy can do development-wise. He's got a pretty wide range as well. We're starting to see, I don't know if future considerations just has 
50 prospects in their top 30, but I feel like they come up uh, with first round, uh, first round rankings for everybody. But he's ranked 29th from future considerations. Wheeler's got him 46th. Elite prospects 68th. So this is this draft is going to be really interesting because we're seeing a lot of these wide ranges. After three, this draft opens up like crazy, and there's so many players that that scouts are high on. The way that we're talking about our 40th to 50th rankings, we're kind of expecting all these guys to be NHL players, and I don't think that happens every year. There's maybe a group up to 50 or 45 that you hope, but this is these numbers that we're saying. Like, there's so every guy who I'm uh, once we finish talking about, I'm like, oh, I could see maybe him fitting into a to a top nine, top six NHL role, maybe a top four defenseman. So it's going to be intriguing as well. I mentioned that. And at the same time, Craig Button does not have Yermer Pitlick on his top 103. Wow. Either. So that's something to keep in mind. However, our next player, so we just had two that Button didn't have at all. Well, our 38th player was Button's 39th. So we're on the same page with Justin Surdiff playing for the Vancouver Giants in the WHL at 54 points. In 57 games there, the five foot eleven winger from Surrey, British Columbia. What do you like about his game? Well, first off, another guy from the WHL. Uh, I really like uh, players coming to the WHL. And let's. I'm just going to start this off with a quote from sort of himself. Uh, I thought this was pretty interesting, and I, I like uh, his attitude. Uh, he says, "When I'm feeling good." I'm a dog on a bone. Even if the guys probably got me by 30 pounds and a couple inches, I'm still likely to win my puck battles against him. So that kind of confidence from a guy who, I mean, mind you, he's not as small as some of these other prospects at 5'11", is something you love to hear. And I think his biggest attribute, especially as a prospect, is his versatility. He can play center. He can play on the wing. He can play on the power play, on the penalty kill. And when you're looking at a team like the Ottawa Senators that has more prospects and draft picks probably than any other team at the moment, you need that versatility. Otherwise, you get kind of pigeonholed into a certain role. And if you don't uh, shine in that role, like if you're just a goal scorer and you're not scoring goals, you're going to get bumped down. You're not going to get the attention. You're not going to get the shine. Whereas this guy can be a plug and play all over the lineup. So I think that's huge for him. And um, what I noticed from his highlights that I really liked, great hand-eye coordination on this guy. He's knocking pucks down in front of the net and he's kicking it with a skate to a stick or he's getting a low shot on the goalie and getting his rebound right away and quick release. Uh, that's the kind of guy who combined with Brady Kachuk on the same line, if you could have those two cycling in front of the net, wreaking havoc, it would be just amazing. I think the big thing that goes into this one is the word will. He's just willing to do the things that you need to do to create. Uh, he's listed as a centerman right now for Vancouver. Uh, right, right here I see Dylan Galloway from Future Considerations. I like the way he puts it. He's not really a guy you see steering the ship. Probably going to be playing the wing in the future at the NHL level if he get, makes it there. Yeah, the NHL Central Scouting, uh, when they put out their list, they had him listed as a right winger. So I think that's fair to expect um, him to be there. Um, rugged winger, you know, impressive puck skills. I'm reading in another scouting report. So he, he was a key contributor last year. Vancouver went to the seventh game of the WHL final. Although, although he did have eight points, only the two goals in 17 games, but 
was physically dominant and and really a playoff type player. And the way we described him, I don't think that really comes as too much of a surprise. Button actually is higher on him than most elite prospects down at 47th overall and a little bit concerning. Uh, Wheeler has him at 51, but that's down 17 spots than where Wheeler had him at his uh, preliminary rankings earlier in the season. So he mustn't have liked what he saw this year as much as maybe in the past, where his future considerations all the way down at 68th overall. So um, it's it's pretty pretty wide again, but I think that he's a player that will play in the National Hockey League. Do you think we can say that the same for our 37th pick? Well, we're getting back to the undersized guys here. Daniil Gushin, a uh, player from Yekaterinburg. I was wondering if I'd be able to pronounce that right, but yeah, five foot eight, just 165 pounds, played in the USHL this year. You'd think that would mean maybe he gets a look going into a university next year. Um, I would assume not, he's not going to be making the jump to pro hockey right away, but he is a very intriguing player. And these Russians, they always seem to be, right, Pilsy? Yeah, there's a, definitely a lot of intrigue with this guy. Uh, the Regina Pats, they drafted him seventh in the CHL import draft, and they've done everything they can to try to convince him to join their team. Uh, they had a bit of a, a down year last year for them, and he wasn't buying it. And from what I'm reading, it seems like uh, either he's going to stay in the USHL or head off to Russia. So if he ends up doing that, um, who knows what what's going to happen with his development. But yeah, this is a smaller guy, and like most smaller players, they rely on their their skill, their speed, but they lack into the defensive side of their game, and that's what I'm hearing about this guy. And when when you've got uh, that kind of knock on you, it's hard to kind of change your ways, especially uh, if you're relying on that speed and small size to uh, gain offense. So I'm not too high on this guy, but uh, I'll let you guys uh, throw your piece in here. Parley, I know you love a guy who's cocky enough to rock number 66. <laughs> yeah, uh, I might not be Lou Lamorello out on the island telling Josh Hosang to change his number, that's for sure. Uh, I think it's pretty funny at a junior level. I think this guy, one thing that is kind of becoming apparent when you look at this player and what he does is he never stops moving. So, I mean, it goes to the old hockey adage, well, yeah, you're a small kid, but they can't hit you if they can't catch you sort of thing. And I think that's kind of the the uh, attack he takes into the game. It looks like he's got a lot of puck skills and he's willing to beat you wide and then cut to the middle. So, I mean, he's got his ways of playing the game. It's just, yeah, another small kid in a draft of a lot of uh, small kids when you think you into the maybe the second to third round area. Well, you're at, we're at a time in the NHL where smaller players have never had more success. So I, I don't think it's as big of an issue as it has been in the past. And these Russians always have a nose for the net. You know, they're always, they're never afraid to go into the dirty areas. And if I, I just feel like the ones who score can usually score at any level. So I don't know. I don't know about him because like Wheeler's got him all the way up at 30, right? Even higher than our 37th ranking, but he didn't even have him ranked in the midterm. So uh, from a player in front uh, of Justin Surtiff, who maybe fell, fell a bit this year, Daniil Gushin uh, could be going the other way. It'll be interesting to see where he plays this year, too, because two years in, in the USHL, I doubt he'll be back there next year. So a very intriguing player. I'm sure we'll talk more about him as the draft approaches. F- rounding out today's list, uh, number 36, 
a player that's been known in scouting circles for a long, long time. And why is that? Well, to put it to to put it briefly, he was the first ever 2002 born player to play in the league of the pro league in Finland. And he's not a big guy either, Parley. So another little guy who had to play against these big men at a young age. And I don't even want to know if he's five foot eight now, how small do you think Casper Simon Tyval was when he was playing his first league game? I mean, this guy was looked at as a guy that was like, wow, this guy's got enough skill in such a little package to make it into that first round. And now I think he's starting to trend backwards. You know, he, he must have been just uh, head and shoulders, <laughs> no pun intended for a small guy, above his uh, his peer group to make it into that league so quickly. But it seems like he might have been a kid that kind of plateaued a little bit early. He's... Uh, He's a fast player. He's a bit of a playmaker more than a goal scorer. But uh, I don't know. I think maybe this is a guy that uh, maybe you saw the best from him. His rise, maybe his his potential has kind of slowed down as he's aged. Is Do you think it could be a situation, I'll ask this to Pilsy, where scouts just have seen too much of him? I, I think that ha- that happens sometimes where you see so much of him, you start to pick apart every little flaw because you you know the great things that they can bring. His numbers, at least at the, the junior level, where he played most of last season, 25 goals, 57 points in 48 games with the U, uh, the U20 Tapara team. Like, could that be it, where maybe scouts have just seen too much of him? Well, this guy's been on scouts' radars for a long time. Um, he did really well as a 14-year-old in U16 circuit, scoring 42 goals in 22 games as a 14-year-old in U16 circuits. So that obviously raised some eyebrows. Uh, A couple years ago, guys had him penciled in as a top 10 pick of this draft. But I think, like you said, that makes a lot of sense, Ross, is you you expect someone's uh, development trajectory to just be a curve straight kind of up. Well, not straight up. That would be really incredible. But always climbing, you know, always going up. But at some point, it's going to catch up to you. And defenders get better. Coaching styles get better. Uh, like, just overall, the play and defense of other teams is going to be harder to break through, especially as a younger guy trying to play in a men's league. So I think that's just kind of what happened with... Uh, with this guy here and he's he's had some injuries too uh i haven't been able to figure out what his injuries were but all the articles i've been reading him saying a big part of his developmental uh uh, upside has been slowed down by these injuries so that's another key factor that uh, could have him dropping lower than he was expected to go big parabola guy there eh, pills big draft (laughs) guy watching those lines go straight up i think one thing for this guy too is uh I think he's so offensively minded in maybe a men's league over there where defense is stressed and structure is stressed that you start to leave parts of your game behind when you get to such a structured level. So I think he's starting to get a knack on him defensively, but it's because his mind is so offensively focused. He's worth a a YouTube search because his, his release is ridiculous too. Um, He's able to use his his small body though and, and protect the puck really well. Um, and he seems like he's an aggressive player and going into the corners and not playing scared. So from, from all this video I've watched, I'm actually kind of hoping the Sens find a way to get him with maybe their second or third of the, uh, of the second round picks. If he's still on the board, um, he's the kind of player that 
is going to be a boomer bust. He's a high risk in terms of uh, his game translating to the National Hockey League because you look at his his time playing against men. It's it's been a bit of a challenge to put points up, but if he can um, physically grow into his frame, I think that uh, while keeping his speed and tenacity, I think this could be a really good NHL player going forward. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be something to keep our eye on going into the draft. Yeah, so we're starting to see some trends here. Maybe some some smaller players, not so many defensemen uh, we've seen so far, but lots of lots of offensive talent, lots of shoot off the rush guys. Um, Daniil Gushin, a guy who can finish pretty well. So I think we've done it justice here through 14 picks or 15 rather, and we're going to continue that on Monday. So wrapping for Brandon Pillar and Chris Parliament. Have a great weekend. Don't forget to go to builtbar.com and put in promo code TAKE and get $10 off your first purchase of Built Bar. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.